Hi, and welcome to In Full Bloom. I'm Jeremy, and with this podcast, we're wanting to particularly support young people and educate everyone else about eating disorders. This podcast has grown from a partnership between Queensland University of Technology and Children's Health Queensland. Initially, we collaborated with young people in recovery from an eating disorder in a co-design process to improve aspects of Queensland's eating disorder programs. And from this work also came this idea for a podcast, which is offering support and direction surrounding eating disorders for young people in Queensland, as well as throughout Australia and the world. Support in this area is essential as eating disorders are serious mental illnesses that place young people at high risk of long-term disability or even death. Before I introduce our two panel members, here's a few further facts to put this topic in context. Worldwide, over 70 million people have an eating disorder. In Australia alone, this is more than 900,000 people. And unfortunately, all over the world, the prevalence of eating disorders and disordered eating behaviours continues to rise across all age groups. Of the different eating disorders that exist, the most common are anorexia nervosa, bulimia nervosa and binge eating disorder. And anorexia nervosa actually has a mortality rate that is around 12 times higher than the mortality rates from all other causes. 60% of anorexia nervosa related deaths are attributed to sudden cardiac arrest organ failure or suicide. The average age of onset for anorexia is 16 to 17 years, although more and more younger children are becoming affected, with children as young as seven meeting criteria for anorexia nervosa. 25% may experience a diagnostic crossover to bulimia nervosa. Most unfortunately, 75% of people with an eating disorder don't seek professional help and one in two people with an eating disorder feel like they don't deserve help. Less well-known is that less than 6% of people with an eating disorder are medically underweight. This means how we look is not an indication of an eating disorder or disordered eating. It affects people with all types of bodies. Thankfully, the field is working towards a better understanding of the prevalence of eating disorders all the time. And while these statistics are confronting, importantly, Accessing help early gives you a much higher chance of full recovery, and recovery is absolutely possible. And this brings us to today's panel with Tia and Bella, two young women who've experienced an eating disorder and are in recovery. Welcome, Tia and Bella. Hi. First off, can you tell us a little about yourself? Thank you for having us today. My name's Bella. I'm 15 and I'm in grade 11. I love being outdoors, going hiking, mountain biking, rock climbing, exploring nature. I love being with my family and friends and I would love to pursue a career in the field of health. My name is Tia. I am 17 and I am currently in year 12. Um, at school, I love English and religious studies and art. And in my spare time, I love doing anything creative or challenging. Great, great. And... We're going to talk a little bit about your experience and your background and I, I guess I just wanted to get a sense of what is your understanding of an eating disorder and what do you think are the implications of experiencing one? Um, I think really what an eating disorder is, in my understanding, is like an over-obsession of your body and 
personal image and how you are perceived um, by other people and kind of how you look in comparison to others. Yeah, definitely. I also think it's like a loss of freedom, like everything around you becomes a blur and the things that you love, like your family and friends, like they become really distant and detached from your life. Are there any early signs that young people might look out for to maybe address things before they get more serious? Um, And if they see these, what could they do? Well, the physical side of things, um, rapid weight loss, hair growth, excessive exercise, they're all things that other people can notice. Except when someone has an eating disorder, they might not be able to notice this themselves. So really having those people around them is what can contribute to a recovery. Yeah, it's more... um difficult to kind of understand what's going on like from your perspective it's more how people like are perceiving your behavior and how it's kind of just them looking at you and seeing these effects and like the early signs rather than like it's just difficult to kind of unpack what is going on like inside of you and just following your body signals as well like physical signals are a big one like Um, as I said with the weight loss but also like your head will just feel out of place it's kind of like an outer body experience a little bit you just don't feel like you're supposed to be here you don't feel connected and that's what really matters and that's why having people around you to guide you through it is really important. Wow in terms of someone experiencing an eating disorder when then do you think they really become aware they have a problem and should get support? Um, I think uh, like the internal kind of like signals would be that point of when good intentions, like um, you can start off as just being like concerned with like your overall health um, or, you know, just wanting to be more um, physically fit. Um, but it's kind of that point when those good intentions become excuses or a lot more serious and especially those thoughts of why don't I look like them why is my body like this why do I do I look good enough today or just that hatred or dissatisfaction with how you look yeah totally I think that for most young people when they have an eating disorder they don't notice themselves people around them are the ones who first notice Um, mainly from physical things like weight loss, um, the disconnection from friends, family members. I think it's also good that you have people around you to speak to. Yeah, it's kind of just that, like, those external factors, like how you interact with other people and, like, just that change in your overall mood as well. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. Um, Thank you. And... In terms of living in Queensland, what options then do you think there are for young people to get support? And what would you suggest or recommend a young person do? First of all, if they have nice parents who are caring, they can go to their parents and just vent to them, tell them how they're feeling, tell them what they want to do, tell them everything. And hopefully the parents can help, but if not... They can go to teachers at school or a GP. However, like teachers and GPs, they may not be trained or specialised in eating disorders, so they might not understand 
that's when you can revert to the online things like Kids Helpline, Butterfly Foundation, um, Headspace. Yeah. Yeah, kind of um, in terms of just receiving help in general, like just talking to anybody, I think, is like a big step towards that recovery. Um, And even just briefly researching about it and like what's going on and what might happen or like just the kind of like the general understanding of what's going on is probably really helpful, I would say. And especially seeing how other people have dealt with it too, like that can just, you know, give um, inspirations of like what to do, where you can go. Um, But in terms of specifically Queensland, I know there's a lot of other support services out there. So how can family, friends and health professionals then make things easier for someone dealing with an eating disorder, do you think? I think just being there by the child's side is the most important thing. Having that connection with the person who's always around you, who's always present, just gives you that clarity and warmth and they hopefully will be able to like connect with GPs and possibly like emergency departments. I think um, just generally like with anybody speaking to someone who has experienced an eating disorder, it's best not to mention um, like weight or body image at all because it could just be like difficult to talk about. Like it doesn't necessarily have to be triggering. It just it just makes you feel uncomfortable and even like in terms of friends and family and even just talking about your own body negatively kind of like still impacts how just how they would see that you know how like their perspective on it it's just it just can be uncomfortable and also like don't talk about food while they're in that stage because that can really fuel the eating disorder and that can lead to a downward spiral in itself so as Tia said, trying to make them feel as comfortable as possible by talking about things they love, talking about what their hobbies are. Yep, not so much directly focusing on, um, like, them as a person with an eating disorder. It kind of just, like, objectifies it and it's more... um, It just makes it a lot more difficult because it's like, but I am not that, you know. That is not me. I don't identify as that. It's just... Yeah, the eating disorder at that stage has probably, if it's at a bad stage, it's probably got inside their heads and they're probably thinking that it's going to be like that forever, but it's not. And that's where other people around you who can support you can change that. So it's really remembering family and friends, remembering who you are first and foremost and not being focused on the condition and also for I guess health professionals that they connect with you as a person when you're there solely focusing on the yeah yeah. and kind of yeah and so there's that connection that human connection which is really important yeah because that can also bring out like things that they might be wanting to say but just don't feel comfortable saying because by bringing out their like natural self without the eating disorder they might feel like comfortable to bring out the truth behind what may have happened and how they're feeling. Yeah, it just also gives that personal connection too, which makes it like easier for you to like trust them and like resonate with them and um, kind of like want to look forward to the end of it. Yeah, yeah. and I guess I guess every interaction then with a health professional as well as when you're having these serious conversations with families or friends, 
there is an opportunity to go towards recovery because you're able to disclose things if you feel comfortable. So it's really important every time a health professional, for instance, is interacting with you, that they, they are open to having a conversation. They, they actually allow you to move further in, in talking about and, and reflecting on things rather than just doing a job and, and kind of not necessarily um, you know, treating you as a person. Yeah, 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 definitely. Great. And what advice then would you offer young people in general, not just somebody who might be grappling with an eating disorder, but just young people in general who, you know, everyone's really vulnerable these days, especially young people, especially in the environment of social media and so forth? I definitely think, as you said, social media is the platform where these days that's a flourishing environment for eating disorders. Just all the fake news that goes around, all the trends, the diets, the fads, they're all fake. And children who have got social media and phones are going to be looking at these things and saying, oh, that's how I'm meant to be, that's how I'm meant to look. And implementing that into their lives, which influences the eating disorder and makes them and unhealthy. Yeah, I think um, just social media is very filtered and it's all what, you know, the people want you to see. Like, they don't show, like, the other side of that. It's all their aesthetic life, becoming a better me and all that. But, like, there's always that other side to it and I think that really can affect people because they think, oh, they have nothing wrong with their lives, you know, and their lives are perfect, so why is mine not? And there's also subconsciously even just comparing yourself to somebody else who, older or younger, is literally at a different stage in their life. And it just, you can't quite wish for that because your timeline is your timeline and you can't like rush that. Like it just, it all happens naturally and yeah. And you also talked about this idea of it's almost like someone can curate a false person there. Yeah. And, you know, we're now in this environment where there's face filters and all sorts of things like that. I know myself as an older person, a whole lot of my own peers, we struggle with it, you know, in terms of being bombarded by these images and so forth. I don't know how to sometimes grapple with it in my everyday life. Um, Is there any tips for a young person to navigate it that you can think of at all? Firstly, this may not apply for everyone, but just staying off social media in general, (laughs) that would help. Um, But... Following accounts that have inspirational quotes, who have like life stories of people who have recovered, following those people so those algorithms on the social media can like produce things that you love that resonate to the real you. Yeah, and not solely like following people that you know, you know, aren't going to make you feel good about yourself and know um, that they do filter their lives. Following people who know you can resonate with and they're real people like they show both sides of their lives and yeah I think that could influence it a lot I think I think that's a great tip that idea of influencing the algorithm yeah and just almost like once you start to having that moment of of reflection am I spending too much time looking at the wrong content that's not going to help me long term and then stopping and then being a bit more proactive with the positive sort of role models. I think that's a, a great way to, to deal with this filtered content, which yeah. is, you know, yeah. so problematic. Is there then 
anything that you'd particularly like to have heard when you were younger? I would have loved to heard because when I was diagnosed, I was 11, so I was really young. Um, I was still maturing. I didn't know. I didn't know how I'd be when I was older. I didn't. I didn't know much. But I just would have loved to heard that this can ruin your life. It it can like it can take away every li- single little thing in your life that matters to you and just throw it away. And having like that support around and like education for parents to know, like if they knew what anorexia was they could have told me the implications both both physically and mentally and that probably would have triggered something in my head because no one wants to be near on the deathbed no one wants to lose all their friends it's like kind of that empowerment and inspiration that people around you give you with the education Yeah, I think there's very little that's discussed about the severity of it. Like, it doesn't just affect your image or how you're perceived by people. Like, it it affects every part of your life, like your education, um, like your relationships with everybody. Like, it's just the severity of it is so real. And just I think some people don't quite understand that. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess it it does creep up in a way in that it seems to be a a positive, the, the feedback can be positive initially or you can feel in control and then it is something that if, if those if there's nobody educating you and so it can keep going and that's when it becomes problematic so um you know you raise a really good point about other people being educated not just people struggling yeah. but yeah. it's yeah. really everyone so that everyone can kind of have conversations and, and help each other yeah because people who aren't educated they might say things to you that will actually initiate a spiral for the eating disorder some things that untrained people will say can really affect the mental health of that person yeah um and something that I wish that like somebody had told me is that like because I was quite young as well and you know I've just gotten social media at that time and I was exposed to all these different you know these models and like it's just been so romanticized in our culture and I just you know subconsciously comparing myself to them like to these me like just a preteen comparing myself to these like women in their mid-20s and it's just like you can't compare your body to someone who is more developed than you because it just like you're just not there yet like and I think I think you by you expressing that that's the thing that we're not hearing there's no conversations to 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 let people know that when they're engaging all this stuff. So I think that's where something like this is really important because it's actually helping people before they get caught up in all that sort of stuff. I guess, is there any last words then for people listening to this podcast that you'd like to put forward? Stay strong. That's what I can say is the most important. Have courage and just talk to people. There's people here to help. We're here to help. Talking is what can help you recover. Thank you very much, um, Tia and Bella. If you follow the links at the bottom of this podcast, you'll find where some of these resources that can help you and educate you about eating disorders are.